Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. I am at the place where episode one was recorded, the Bridge Healing and Arts Center in Farmington, Connecticut. Very cool. little full circle happening here. Lovely. I I have Stephanie with me here. Hello, hello, everyone. Stephanie and I have had some good conversations uh, in the past here while waiting for like the events to start and whatnot. And so I said, oh, she'd she'd make a good little little co-host for an episode here. Or maybe two. That's so kind. Maybe three. All right. Let's you see never, how it goes. You never know. You, but you know what's fresh on my mind? hmm So I don't know if you're a sports fan. You don't need to be a sports fan. Oh, good. Okay. But um, Andrew Luck, a Pro Bowl quarterback for the Indian, Indianapolis Colts, he just retired a few weeks ago at 29 years old. Whoa. It was an emotional press conference, and he retired because he got injured again. And so he keeps getting injured. And in his press conference, he basically said that he's mentally drained. So you, you keep getting injured, then you got to go to rehab, and then you get back on the field, then you get injured, and you go to rehab, and it's like a cycle. And he said that the joy is gone, and he needed to make a decision for the rest of his life and his family. And it was shocking news in the sports world and the the only reason I, I don't expect everyone listening to be a sports fan, but you don't have to be to understand the message that this young man, twenty nine, is young for sports. Yeah, I mean, since he was a little boy, this is mm-hmm. this is what his dream was, right? And he's completely walking away, saying, "I've had enough," and I think that's a huge life lesson for a lot of people. What do you think? I, I mean. Because haven't you ever been in a situation where enough is enough? Uh, yes. Uh, first, I'd like to take a moment to honor and acknowledge the courage that it takes mm-hmm. because he, that that takes a lot. Um, he is not even 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on top of that, to say that it's the mental health, not yeah. even the physical health, yeah. as to the reason why he's walking away, to acknowledge mental health right. as an issue and also to start these conversations about burnout yeah how burnout happens what happens when Mm. it happens and also how to heal from that what are some of the ways we can heal from that what are some of the directions we can go in because also because you when you burn out it doesn't necessarily mean completely leaving the industry and leaving every single thing you know Mm. Um, which is also something that i myself have learned because i have semi-transferred out of academia and was in academia for the past decade Mm. um and then this past year it was new job new state new industry new home new everything Mm -hmm. as a result of burnout as a piece of the process of my own burnout that was physical and mental but if you ask me about it i will always talk about the mental first right rehab is no joke i mean if you uh have a major injury and you got to go through that rehab it's no joke and then there's pressure of now you got to get back on the field you got to perform because you're being paid to perform millions of dollars there's a lot of pressure there now don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. the difference between him and us is he gets to retire with you know 34 (laughs) he gets to retire with 30 or 40 million in the bank so it's a little i would say you know but still it's still a big thing because this is his dream. You can go to a high school right now and talk to a high school freshman playing football. Say, what's your dream, kid? I'd probably say to be in the NFL or to be in the NBA or whatever it is. They want to be a professional athlete. This is what they're working everything for. This is what their diet is for. This is what their work in the gym is for. This is what dedicating themselves physically and mentally and then walking away because you're burnt out lots of courage and i i I can resonate with it because i've walked away many times Mm -hmm. from many things Mm -hmm. 
when you, and I always use the analogy of the dinner table. Mm. When you're full, Mm -hmm. you're full. So I think the lesson here is for everyone as an individual to know when they're full. This reminds me of a story that you told on one of your previous podcasts Mm -hmm. about um, another dinner table reference of when you're full, you're full. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important for us to recognize what happens before we start getting so full we're tapped out Mm -hmm. and burned out and recognizing some of the signs of when you're getting to the point of no return. Yeah. Especially when this was something that he had dreamed of, mm-hmm. had worked 29 years, 29-ish years towards. And so then I think it's really, really important to recognize when you're full, what are some of the red flags leading up to it? Mm-hmm. And also a lot of kindness and patience and forgiveness if you don't realize it until you are already tapped out and you are done, ready to leave and go. And then also recognizing what some options are afterwards and some supports during that whole process. Because I don't think that most people recognize all of the aspects of burnout and just how much it can affect a human being. Can we get burnt out by relationships as well as jobs? Absolutely. You can get burned out by anything. Yeah, yeah. You can get burned out by the own drive that you have created for yourself, for any interaction, engagement, any kind of commitment that you have made and set yourself towards. Right. Any person, place, or thing. Right, right. So somebody could be in a relationship. Let's let's just say five years. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Maybe they're uh, they're sick of the situation, but they've been putting up with it. People are scared to leave. Mm-hmm. People are scared to be alone. Right. And then uh, do they have the courage to have their press conference like this young man did? Well, <laughs> and say, I'm done. I'm burnt out. I think that's when we also really need to pay attention to where where fear is and where is love. Where is fear in this equation and where is love in this equation? And within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Are we loving and honoring ourselves? I don't want to even I don't want to use the word enough, but are we even just loving and honoring ourselves period and recognizing where we are in our various stages of the journey? Mm-hmm. In recognizing in, in asking ourselves, do I love myself or how how am I showing love for myself in this situation? Right. Is it that I'm so scared to leave this relationship? Is it that I'm so scared to make any kind of changes? Is it that I'm scared to shift what might seem like a secure situation mm-hmm. financially, emotionally, mentally? Um and then do I love myself Yeah. enough, quote unquote, to make the changes that need to be made? So one could say that Andrew Luck loved himself because he walked away. Right. Right. And let the love overcome any kind of fear that might have had, because I'm sure he got pushed back. Mm-hmm. You're 29 years old. Oh, the fan. Oh, I left this out because it's more of a sports thing, but the, the arena booed him out of the building. Yeah, and see, that's bananas. (laughs) That is bananas. Because I'm going to need people to think outside themselves for just a little bit to recognize. Sports is a a cult-like following. Spectator sport, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But also then we should, then we could also go into the ideals that are portrayed and the values that are portrayed towards sports and celebrities. Right. And how they don't get to be their own individual human in some regards. Right. And the people who do, it's because they erected boundaries and held their ground. Hmm. Which again, would also be, can be tied into holding your ground for yourself and your own boundaries within the situation. Hmm. And you learn those through burnout. And through various relationships, burnout is one method and one way a relationship can go.
Yeah. But um but yeah, it happens because your boundaries got crossed too many times. Yes, I mean I can I shoot, let me let me bring up an old story. I uh back when I was a young man and, and I was in the music industry. I uh, I had a record label back when it was cool to have a record label. Mm. Before uh well, let me put it to you like this. MySpace was just popping <laughs> when, I, when I left. Okay, gotcha. So it feels gotcha. like a while ago, right? Uh, it was a little bit ago. Yeah, bit. yeah, showing my <laughs> age. So I, not only was I the, you know, CEO of my <laughs> record label, I was also the intern because I did all the dirty work. I did the computer work. I did the finances. I did all this stuff. I it was, I did a lot. And one of my other duties was to bring the artists to the studio. And so that, that took sacrifice. And, but it, it didn't, you know, it took four or five years, but I started to get burnt out. And then what happens is you start getting snooty. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then one day, one of the artists, shout the Milo, we're cool now. So shout the Milo <laughs> if he ever hears this. But Milo, Milo got mad at something and he was like, you know what? I think we pushed his album back. That's what it was. Because we were like, oh, we can do better with the promotion, blah, blah, blah. And he got really mad. Just being an artist, being a diva. It's like, oh, I'm sick of this. Blah, 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 blah. And I said, you know what? I'm out. He said, what? Of course, his machismo was like, fine, be out. You know. Mm-hmm. And then a few years later, he said, oh, I should, I should have tried to keep you. But mm. just Here's you, reflection. I quit. Right there? Oh, well, you're right there. It was over. Hold Five on years of hard work. This artist said that he, Milo, mm-hmm. said, had a, a, a fit because you were going to push it back. Mm-hmm. And you said, not only am I done with you, Milo, I'm done with this whole label that I created that I'm the CEO of. Is yes. that what you're telling me? Yeah. It's what I do. I create and destroy. <laughs> this podcast, so, push me in this podcast. <laughs> over. All right, let's go. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> no, yeah. No, the, the whole thing went down the tubes. There was three owners, me, Milo, and, and another guy, Taylor. And poor Taylor kind of lost out there. Um, yeah, I was I was full. And, and he gave me that little crack of light. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody gives you an inch, you take a mile. Mm-hmm. I had the excuse I was looking for. And I was like, I'm out. Dissolve this thing. And that's what happened. And we're all still friends to this day. But, you know, when when we get together, it's always, ah, oh, what if, you know, th- type mm-hmm. thing. Because Milo was very talented. He was Drake before Drake. He sung and he rapped and he had that kind of, the, he had that Drake style that is so popular right now. Did he have a young teen show from Canada that he was no. on? No. <laughs> He did not. He did not. But um, very talented guy. But I was done. I was full because I was doing all the dirty, dirty, tedious work Mm -hmm. will wear on you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, And I was doing it. I mean, when when MySpace came out, Mm -hmm. we were like, we got to take advantage of this, right? And so I remember doing the research how can we take advantage of this and there was these things that just came out called robots so i bought a robot and we you know the robot does the myspace where it reaches out to people and you you pick the city and it was working so we were Mm -hmm. we were getting fans in houston and nebraska and yada yada and it was like we're starting to gain an online presence and youtube was was new Mm -hmm. youtube was just fresh and (laughs) So everything was, everything was changing. <laughs> yeah. You know, like when we pressed up a record, we literally pressed up a record, a vinyl record, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, now um, you just email a DJ your MP3, you know. But tedious, little work wears on you. All that work I did on MySpace, all that work I did, the studio and this, that, and the other, I was actually willing to walk away from the whole thing. And so what what I'm curious about... And I've done it many times in my life. Go ahead. What was your life like leading up to it? 
Oh, what were the things that kept you at the table and what were the things that, that started to make you want to go? Well, being a creator and, you know, always wanting to be, you know, I pretty much grew up wanting to be rich and famous. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, I was born with a mighty, mighty ego. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I started my entertainment career at 16 years old. So, yeah, I was a veteran by the time I was, you know, 22, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we, what kept me doing it was, was the um, focusing in on the result, mm-hmm. right? And we wanted to be the next Rockefeller. You know, Rockefeller was huge. You know, Jay-Z and all them. And then, ironically, they broke up around the same time we did. It was very, mm. it was very ironic. But yeah, what kept me at the table was the, the, the vision of making it, quote unquote, air quotes, mm-hmm. making it. And that's what kept me in radio so long, too. Same thing. I recognize the pattern, sure. And I've broken the pattern, but I do this podcast with with no attachment to result whatsoever. It's very fascinating that you went from one extreme to the next. To, yeah, to the next, <laughs> where you are the polarity going of it to a monastery. I'm going to a monastery in two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So how are you going to do podcasts in two yeah. weeks? Yeah, that's why I'm wearing these loose sweatpants type things. I'm trying that's to get used to it. it. Yeah, okay. You got to be loose there. You can't like. Come in like all stiff. <laughs> you gotta wear loose clothes. To Good be... to know. What is it like yeah. now to not have such an attachment to things? Was it a gradual process of um, each time something came up, you had a chance to let it go, or was it I'm done with everything? I recognize my ego has not been actually leading me to success, so mm. I'm just gonna. Goodbye. Well, it all, you know, it really all started, you know, almost 10 years ago when I, uh, I had, uh, I had an intern who turned on me (laughs) and he, uh, he had access to all my passwords. So he hijacked all the social media. Wow. And so all that work that I had put in that was documented on YouTube, that all was gone. He flipped the switch. It was gone. We thought it was deleted. Wow. And he jumped on my Twitter. He, he changed my profile to like Pinocchio. He claimed I was a liar. And so this was a very traumatic experience because in my mind, I was K-Dub from Hot 93.7. How could you ever? How could you ever? Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, he was a 19-year-old kid. And then on top of it, mm-hmm. he was part of my team. So there's betrayal. There's anger there's all these emotions and you know and the police wouldn't do anything about it because they didn't understand social media back then (sighs) again i'm showing my age and of course now they have protocols for this type of stuff that is also within the last five years yeah maybe 10 but like five so it was it was during these few days of extreme stress that i started to you know have uh awakenings i guess you could say Mm. and so um because i had never experienced something so so stressful um i mean that because he was attacking the very thing that i was working for Mm -hmm. you know uh i guess it's like it's like one of those classic movies where you know the robber goes after the wife and kids or something, you know, to me, that was my wife and kids it was my work, mm-hmm. my radio work and all that stuff that I had done. And this kid went after it, you know, so that, you know, when your mind turns to revenge mm-hmm. and things get really dark because you want revenge. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tupac said it best, you know, <laughs> I'm not a killer, but don't push me. Revenge mm. is like the sweetest joy next to getting blank. <laughs> it's a PG podcast, mm, mm-hmm. but um, it's it's a very wise little couplet there by Tupac because, you know, when somebody pushes you, the mm-hmm. question is, what are you gonna do? When somebody pushes you to the edge, what are you gonna do? Because we're all we all have that little animal instinct in us, and um, that came out in me, and it was that that was a catalyst mm-hmm. for an awakening, mm-hmm. and so that awakening um 
you know, led me down the path of, uh, you know, Gautama the Buddha, Jesus Christ, you know, Osho, you know, Don Juan, all these guys, all these incredible masters to study it led me down that path. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I met uh, my spiritual mentor at an ashram in 2012, and he was a mystic. And, you know, he took me down the rabbit holes because I was asking so many questions. Mm -hmm. And I started to understand that my suffering was coming from my ego. So th that's a long-winded answer to answer your question. But, yeah, once you realize where it's coming from, once you can locate where the suffering is coming from, mm -hmm. you know, it's no different than your physical body. So um, if somebody has a migraine, you know, we can actually trace that back mm -hmm. to what, what's causing it. It didn't just fly out of the sky. All of a sudden you have a, a migraine. So it's the same thing with your mental health. You can actually trace it back and, and find the root cause. And for most people, mm -hmm. for like 90% of every human being, it's that ego that nobody knows what it is. Nobody understands what it is because it's been, it's been watered down as arrogance. Yeah. If somebody's arrogant, they go, oh, he's got a big ego. And we've had several conversations about this mm -hmm. because I think when we first uh, met, we somehow had a conversation about ego. And I think I had said a, back, a comment about like ego being bad. Right. And you had said, no, no, no. Like ego does not have to be bad. Mm -hmm. And then I uh, also during that time, I had started reading some other spiritual books and development books. And they were talking about how... Uh, I don't even want to say are bad and good. Those are qualifiers made by assumptions and expectations. Right. Um, but recently I have been starting to reframe the ego. Mm -hmm. The ego does not have to be this big puffed up inauthentic consciousness within us that is determined for more and more and more. Right. Um, and to prove. To prove yourself there to others. There it is. There it is. I think, as, and then going back to, again, love and fear. Like, are we approaching, when we are engaging with whatever we are engaging with, are we are we going about it from fear? And, like, check, check your ego. Mm -hmm. Is it puffing up because we don't want anybody to see some of the vulnerabilities? Yeah, it's because we inferiority. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and I've recognized those patterns in myself for sure. Yeah. Because you know, you look at your upbringing, you look at your relationship with your parents, mm -hmm. and things of this nature. Uh, if, for example, if you have parents that don't give you the pat on the back, your ego is going to go to work. Your ego is going to go to work to try to find those pats on the back to whoever it's from. And that's when love is really important because are you seeking the love from within right. so that you are proving, are you trying to prove anything to yourself or are you, do you love yourself and are you grounded in yourself? Don't puff up, don't shrink in, stand your sacred ground. Right. And that way you, you're not seeking external validation. You're not seeking the external pats on the back. So when you are engaging your engagements are authentic and your ego can still be present right can absolutely still be present mm -hmm. it's just not trying to overwhelm or take over the room right you get to stand your sacred ground loving yourself loving others hopefully mm -hmm. not you know, hopefully um and your ego ends up being this beautiful powerful presence yeah that is not going to be the first thing that's discussed in terms of look at that person taking up that much space. Right. People will genuinely want to engage with you because people feel that energy. Right. They recognize how you make them feel and then the presence you're giving off. Right. Right. So that is all to say I am learning. I am in the process of learning you're that right. the ego does not is not and does not have to be this big overwhelming inauthentic characteristic or consciousness that can lead to something negative right or even your own downfall because right. hubris right right so yeah. well it's it's all about awareness 
Yes. It's all about awareness. When when one can recognize these things, that's that's the work. <laughs> that's and you're at that age still. You're you're thirty. I'm thirty one. Thirty one. Yeah, you're you're at that age. <laughs> you're at the magical age. That's when it all happens. Honest to goodness, thirty and your thirties are this magical. It really is magical age. It's like the bridge to your life. Yes. Yeah. Because you develop this level of awareness, you have enough experiences. You you spend your twenties, you spend the first decade trying not to kill yourself and learning how to survive. That's right, and making a lot of mistakes. Making lots of mistakes, and then your twenties are for discernment. You're right. this this pendulum swinging all ends all over the place, going in directions you didn't even realize you could go in, because you could also heal in a different way. Mm. So that by the end of your twenties, you're realizing, oh, my mind is different. My body is different. I'm responding to things instead of reacting to things and understanding even the difference between responding and reacting, which again goes back to your level of awareness of yourself, of others, of the context of society and the things that are being taught to you and being internalized. Um, 30s are fantastic and I'm only in the beginning, so it's fantastic. You're at the beginning and you know, I, I, I mean that's when it all happened for me, and and you know I've Cheers. talked to enough people to see the pattern mm-hmm. that most people that are gaining awareness, it all it almost always happens for them between twenty eight and thirty three. Ooh, Saturn returns. Saturn returns. You got yes. it. Yes. Right. Okay. It happens every twenty years, right? Twenty seven. Every twenty seven years. years. So yeah. you're feeling it the three years. Before that, right, and then you're it's a build up deep in it's it. a build up, and and I don't think it's ironic that um, the whole Jesus story is thirty to thirty three. Mm. So there is <laughs> there is um, some parallels there. Not to mention there's thirty three mean... vertebrae in your back. Ooh, and Kundalini goes up. Ooh, <laughs> learn something new every day. So, um, thirty three is the righteous number of a human being when um if one is paying attention and aware 33 is sort of the age when it can pop and mm. that's when i went to the ashram that's when i met mm. the mystic and that's so exciting yeah yeah and i remember uh, i've said this on the podcast before but i uh, uh i went for my birthday so i um you know, I turned my phone off for my birthday and everything, and, <laughs> and so I, I, you know, nobody knew it was my birthday. It was just I just blended in, and it was like just a day, mm-hmm. like you know, instead of just feeling special. And mm-hmm. you know, Facebook tricks us into feeling special because a million people say "Happy <gasps> birthday, Happy birthday, Happy birthday." I can't stand Facebook. <laughs> specifically designed to make you feel like mm-hmm. to make you think that it is designed to help you connect when it's disconnecting people even further yeah and that is also not to say that facebook only disconnects no it does it can absolutely connect people but it very much is also having this habit of people portraying their ideal life sure and then others internalizing it's all social medium yes um, yes it's yes. yeah I see it big time with, with YouTube now. And um, I was just talking about this with a friend of mine mm-hmm. who's also kind of walking the path. And, uh, you know, I went I went to school for video editing and being a, a, an on-air personality. And now people are video editing and they're on-air personalities with no school and they're making money on YouTube. And I'm like, wow, well, that passed me by. <laughs> And so mm-hmm. if you go on YouTube and you find a certain niche, mm-hmm. like I'm in the van life, so I'm always looking up van life people because mm-hmm. I want to make a van. I want to have a van and uh, a hotel on wheels. Whoa, okay. And, and so cool. these people, they're like, they're creating their own reality TV shows. It's in, it's insane. People are making their own reality TV shows. Like the real world is on YouTube right now. And you get people, and they learn how to video edit, and they get the drones. You can get a drone with a video camera for probably 150 bucks. Mm-hmm. So now you can get those awesome shots from the sky that we could never get 10 years ago. And 
they put the voiceover over it and they put the dramatic music and they're making their own reality shows to the point where at the end of their episode they're like all right guys well tomorrow i'm gonna drop this video and we're gonna talk about this and that so now they're selling the next episode and it's like wow like i went to school for this (laughs) and these people are just like they're just doing it and i met a guy the other day that's making 70 70 grand a year off youtube so it's like people are really starting their own reality shows and making money so in some regard that's amazing the accessibility theoretical accessibility because you do need finances and resources to build capital in order to to start up but um so on in some regard that's amazing to be able to create this without having to go into institutions and systems without having to pay all that money for the training um what are you receiving and what are you not receiving and not having official training um that's amazing that they're able to make money. That's mm-hmm. great. That's yeah. great. On the flip side of it, mm-hmm. what is this? What are the burnout rates? Oh, they got to be high. Be- because in order to make that money, you've got to be dropping at least two episodes a week, two or three episodes a week. Not to mention there's a the sacrifice of your personal life. You're, it's invasive. Um, no, you nailed it on the head. The burnout rate's got to be high. And not only that, but then that's the, the burnout rates and they're stimulating are on the end. And, and they're when, stimulating their ego. Right. Big time. So then if we're going to the beginning, then what is this telling young kids? Because right. we are already having to remind ourselves of a lot of the people that we read about in history textbooks. Yeah. Or uh, we'll just say history textbooks, even though it's gendered. Um, hmm. And they all got started in their 40s and up. Yeah. And so my generation, I'm a semi-millennial. And we are growing up where we are hearing about self-made millionaires before they even enter, before they are 18. Yeah. And so what do you do with that kind of knowledge? Everything gets internalized. Yeah. Why haven't I done this? I'm not fast enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not doing this enough. Right. I'm not enough is what gets internalized so that mm. we end up having to either people... um if we're looking at anxiety and depression rates, oh, if we're yeah. looking at mental health rates of they're th- youth, they're like even just starting right to the youth. It's through the roof right now. And the level of anxiety, which is all because we don't know how to settle in and be okay with where we are in yeah. this moment with who we are. Right. Because we see everybody else and what they're producing and what is being covered. And the slow and steady is not what is being encouraged in the society this is the society of workaholics where people are proud to be workaholics proud to be working 12 13 hour days and not taking lunch and then going home and engaging in some very unhealthy practices Mm. and then wondering why in moments of stillness all they do is cry or scream right and that's why they have to come to a place like this the bridge and farmington or you know every (laughs) every um you know there's wellness centers all over the country Yes. And uh, that's why the holistic movement is doing well. So well. But, you know, we wouldn't need the holistic movement if everyone just just realized and had awareness of the ego and how it works and how they're being manipulated by the society and by the traditions of the family and things like this. And everything you're saying is dead on. And and so the ego automatically compares. Mm -hmm. So even when you don't think you're comparing, you're comparing. And so social media is a magnifying glass to that. So you go on social media and you see another wellness center in Nebraska and they're doing this and doing that. And you're like, why are we doing this? And then, you know, it's like automatic. And then it's, you know, even worse, we're body shaming ourselves and we're, you know, uh, money shaming ourselves, right? Oh my goodness. Like, oh, my cousin just went on a vacation and I can't afford a vacation. And, you know, we're all dogs chasing our own tail. Even a dog that chases its own tail is ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> so, in my experience and my awakenings have been to, is the opposite. It's the complete opposite. To completely let go, mm. which is the opposite of how I came up, as we discussed a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It, it's it's as peaceful as it gets, mm. because the the body, 
the mind-body connection doesn't typically have those high states of experiences unless you let go. Hmm. Unless you, some traditions use the word surrender. Unless you surrender to the moment. In other words, you're not gonna you're not gonna become enlightened, clanging and banging on your computer, like oh I gotta get this done. Oh, you know it's not it's not gonna happen while you're on the football field practicing a you know a running route, mm-hmm. or you know it's not gonna happen you know while you're reading a textbook studying for class, because these are the chasing of the tail. This is the distraction of what you said earlier, proving yourself mm-hmm. always proving yourself i gotta do this so that they can see my house or i gotta do this so they can know that i'm good at what i do or they gotta you know stuff like this Mm -hmm. and so um my whole life was based on proving myself from 16 on Mm -hmm. um so i can really identify with that and going back to andrew luck giving him great kudos for walking away Walking away because he's like he's basically saying, "I don't need to prove myself. I'm done." And uh, and so when you're full, when can we recognize that? And when can we get up from that table? And I've gotten up from the table at least four or five times in my life. Mm-hmm. Also, knowing the story of Gotama, the Buddha, the Buddha himself was a prince. He was a prince. He was married to a beautiful woman. He had a child. He lived in a kingdom. He had everything you would ever want to be born into. He was going to become the king. But he had a burning desire to figure out what causes suffering. He's like, I don't understand it. You know, the Andrew Luck story is almost almost reminds me of is that a dog? Yes, that's a dog. There's a dog in the building. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I saw something wagging. Uh, occasionally for counseling, there are service dogs. Oh, cool. Yeah. Come We're to about the, supporting Come to the bridge in Farmington. There's yes. dogs. Receive support. And a sauna. Yeah. There's a sauna down the uh, down the hallway. We just launched our salt sauna. Yes. Room 404. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Gotama the Buddha walked away from everything. You know, Andrew Luck walked away, you know. So, yeah, I think that's that's a huge lesson to be able to to be able to walk away, you know. And I'm and I recognize that I'm very focused on what leads up to burnout and then what happens after burnout. Mm. Because burnout is. Uh, getting to that moment and recognizing that you are full and that you are, even though you are full, that you are also leaving the table. Can I tell you what my my mentor told me? Yes. Because I asked him about burnout and all that. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, but Mm -hmm. he said when somebody burns out, that typically means that they're doing the wrong thing. Because if you were Mm -hmm. doing the right thing, you would be completely in joy. You would be completely at peace with whatever it is that you're doing. Mm. You know, if that record label that I spoke about earlier, if that was meant to be, then it would have been. And if my radio career was meant to be, then it would have been. Uh, And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, existence or the universe, whatever, God, whatever word you want to use, has a way of knocking on your door like, hey, man. You got a lesson to learn. You got a lesson to learn here. (laughs) Uh, you're burnt out because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. so to speak. I say that very loosely because I don't mean it literally. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's kind of like the burnout is the catalyst to moving to yes. something else. To yes. moving to something else and getting you here. I wouldn't be going to a monastery in two weeks if three or four burnouts didn't happen if, if this, that, mm-hmm. this, that, and this, that didn't happen. I didn't even know what a monastery was 20 years ago, you know what I mean? I didn't know what Zen was. I didn't know any of that. So, you know, all these things have to happen. 
Right. They all have to happen to get you there, you know? I give thanks to burnout. Yeah, right? I really do. Right. It's a cheers to the journey. Thank you for making me aware of where I'm at, where I was at, and where I need to go. Mm. Because I guarantee you I would not be in the wellness industry yet had I not burned out. Right. And it took two See? to three different rounds of trying academia in three different ways, three different mentors, um, three different job situations. What, let's explain to the listeners what academia is and what, what, were, what was it that you were working towards with, with school? Um, I, I was in graduate school. I, um, I got my master's in public policy and administration. And I went directly into a doctoral program uh, with the intention of getting <laughs> with the intention of getting my doctorate in sociology. Mm. Um, I had planned on working in higher education administration, mm. and so you were going to be like a principal, or no? Uh, I had started working in higher education administration, and my passion was employment discrimination and cultural climate. Okay, and so I my dream at the time was to have the knowledge and the ability and the tools to be able to go into an organization that is struggling and wondering why they are struggling and point out the efficiency measures and mm. then look at the culture and figure out what policies need to shift, what So you were uh, going to be a social... fixer. You are going to be a fixer. I mean, yes. Basically. Yes. Yes. Mm. Um, a PhD. But also anybody who's interested in healing right. tends to be interested in fixing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can identify with that. <laughs> Certainly. And so I uh, when I left academia, I left. I was like, I'm done. I don't intend to get another degree. I don't see a need or use of it. Uh I did not want to work within any kind of administration. I did not believe in a lot of the structures and institutions that are currently set up. It's mm. very disillusioned mm. when I left. And you didn't like the food you were eating anymore. And so I learned. There's that dinner metaphor again. I learned. <laughs> speaking of dinner, I was so focused on how to shift what was happening outside so that there was more equity and access and inclusion mm. and i did not pay attention to the insides at all mm. and so my insides at the dinner table like it just my physical health and mental health absolutely um took a negative turn and i realized i'm so busy focusing on like, federal policies and state policies and very macro we need to go micro and we need to go within as well because how can we work on shifting the environment mm. if we're not if we don't even have an awareness of what's going on inside our minds and our bodies mm -hmm. and uh and that began the shift out of academia into the wellness industry into food and nutrition which had always been a passion um and i knew it was part of my purpose but i didn't know how to go from higher education and shifting institutions to shifting your body and yourself and so when i left i assumed i had made some assumptions with the burnout at the table that everything i was doing was wrong mm. because the first three times it was I'm doing this in the wrong way. I'm doing the right thing in the wrong way. So what needs to shift to make this supposedly quote unquote right? And I think right and wrong are also like, it dichotomizes things that does not take into account the spectrum and the journey. Um, and then now I'm in a place in space where I feel like if, if you have a love for education, it's like the mafia, you're not getting out. Right. Your love for education, you went into academia because you had a love for education. And... Um, just because you leave does not mean that your love for educating and your passion for educating others has left as well. Right. So the quote unquote wrong way was not academia. The right. way in which I was going about it and my lack of awareness was definitely wrong. Right. Um, and now I'm in a place in space where I'm recognizing Part of my purpose is to bridge right. education and food. And yes, absolutely, working at the Bridge Healing Arts Center has 
very much helped and has supported that journey and that learning experience because there are so many fascinating and wonderful practitioners here Mm -hmm. Um, and having conversations with them is also in some regards your own session with them but also they have sessions (laughs) Um, and recognizing what I thought was my wrong path it's just all about reshifting it's about reshifting and reframing and when you add a level of awareness to it well yeah everything's different yeah so your you know your story is is similar to mine you know it it's you get done with one thing and it and it, it bridges you to the next <laughs> and next thing you know you're doing something that you never would have guessed 10 years ago oh my goodness because you, you never would have guessed you'd be in health and wellness 10 years ago right right you were i home. was indoctrinated since birth to get my doctorate right so I knew... Is that why you were asking me about my doctorate when we met? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. I'm fascinated um, with people who choose that route and then people who choose it and then complete it after recognizing what the process entails. When you researched the process that it entails, mm-hmm. was it scary? Uh, when I researched it, mm-hmm. No. Okay. Because the research doesn't take into account your mental, emotional, or physical state. Yeah. If you're researching it, theoretically, you find a mentor, you do your research, yeah. you put in your time, you continue your research, you publish, and then you move on to the next project. Yeah. You graduate and move on to the next project. You almost got to be a little crazy to get your PhD. Oh, you absolutely do it. That's part of the requirement. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. That is absolutely part of the requirement because yeah. you are given intense amounts of information that yeah. your mind cannot actually process and download. Right. And they know this. They, and and right. It's not practical. It's, it's just no. straight academia. But it's about how can you take all of this information that is given to you and synthesize it. Right. Which is also how some people get called experts. Right. Because theoretically, in order to exit with that degree, you would have had to have had so much information and learned so much information. And there's also, like, I'm very fast. I'd be interested to do a survey of egos. Oh, yeah. For people who applied. That's why I applied. People who... (laughs) That's why I applied. People who left... And then people who completed the degree. Yeah. Let's do some ego checks. Oh, yeah. How's everyone's ego? And who were you when you first started? And who were you when you exited? Because you are not the same person when you leave. I remember the day I decided to do it. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you. So I have a friend named Chris Cabot. Shout out to Chris Cabot. Chris Cabot is now an NFL agent. He represents Patrick Mahomes, who is a very big star athlete. Mm-hmm. And but at the time... Chris Cabot is, uh, you know, we're the same age. He's an upcoming entertainment lawyer. And he was my entertainment lawyer when I was in radio. Mm-hmm. So we remained friends. And here I am. I transferred into the health industry. I left radio alone. Here I am. I got clients. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I guess what you can call a successful health coach. Mm-hmm. I got clients. I'm detoxing their brains out. I'm helping them overcome their illnesses. And I'm, I got all these things happening. And he says, you know what? I know someone. I know these guys that are producers. And they, um, I think that they would be interested in you to do a reality show. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. He's like, let's do it. He's like, let's do a Skype interview. Mm-hmm. So we do a Skype interview. And I hop on the Skype with these two producers who make reality shows all the time and so the concept was for me to detox people on camera and mm-hmm. see their healing events and how they go through it kind of like the biggest loser but for more holistic hmm. and anyway and so they're like well they ended it like this they're like we like you but you know you're not a doctor and you don't have a best-selling book, and I think it'd be hard to sell. And so I got off that Skype gotcha. call like, I got off that Skype call like, all right, is that a challenge? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like Someone for real? asked if I had a PhD, so I... For real? So challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. And I, I started looking for schools right then and there because I had my bachelor's. Mm-hmm. 
And some fields, you don't need a master's. You just mm-hmm. go right from bachelor's to PhD. Right. So that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I, and I started writing my books. Wow. Yeah, five books later, here I am. And did they ever call you back? No, I don't even remember their names. <laughs> and and, and Chris go. Cabot's hard to get a hold of. He's, gotcha. a, he's, he's, a, he's, he's big now, so to speak. Quote, air mm-hmm. quotes, right? <laughs> he's big in his field. And uh, wow. But no, that is uh, an, a shining example of how the ego works, mm-hmm. how you're always trying to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. I did not need my doctorate. I didn't. I didn't need it at all. Um, it helps. People like that doctor title. They really do. They really do. They really do. So it does open up some doors. It does. But it doesn't help me financially. It doesn't help me like, maybe, maybe, maybe if I started my own thing, maybe it would, I don't know. But ironically, I'm not interested in any of that anymore. (laughs) Right. Um. So. I think it's also really important to take social identities into context with who feels the need to get a doctorate or a master's or any type of graduate degree. Yeah. Um, who feels like doors are not open because they don't have it. Right. And for who, who that some of the doors literally will not be open. Right. I absolutely had a professor who told me as, as I was going on medical leave, I already told you what I want to do. Be honest. Like, do I really need to get my doctorate? And he said, listen, Steph, if you were pretty much anyone but a black woman, you'd probably be able to get some jobs, depending on the jobs you were looking mm. for. Um, some jobs would probably accept you because you have your master's. And some jobs might not. Mm. And the reality is, if you were of a different social identity, you might get that job or have that door opened. Right. And the doctor would help you to not have to deal with that. The doctor provides options and opportunities. Right, right. And I internalized that. Like I would go around and some people would ask me, why do I want my doctorate? And sometimes I would say I was indoctrinated since birth. Sometimes I would say, oh, because, you know, education and knowledge, yeah. I will be a student for life. But that doesn't necessarily mean I have to get my doctorate to be a student for life. Right, right. Um, and then also letting go of some of the internalized oppression if you close the door in front of my face because I don't have certain letters or because I look a certain way, then I'm not for your consumption. And that also took a while in the healing process to, to feel and be grounded in. Mm. And I also want to take a second to acknowledge that they had the whole call with you. You. Yeah. Hey, why, hey, we don't have to go through your social identities if we don't want to, but like, Someone who has markers of privilege. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, you're great. The work you're doing is great. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have a name in a book right. signing, though. Right. And so what does it take to even get your foot through the door? Mm-hmm. What role does your ego play in that? Mm-hmm. And then where your ego and awareness is throughout that process while you're on your journey so that you don't burn out. Right. Food for thought. Mm. <laughs> and we have to ask ourselves why society loves that doctor title. It's complete social <laughs> complete social engineering. And uh, like if, if, if I called a restaurant, like a really fancy restaurant, and I said, you know, this is Dr. Reese. I'm looking for a blah, blah, blah. Like mm-hmm. that would help me get a table. Mm-hmm. versus, uh, hi, my name's Kevin. I, I, was, <laughs> I was hoping to get a table, <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, what titles and privilege and resources can get you? Right, and, and you know, I've heard many gurus say, you know, the PhD, the, the, high, the high knowledge person is actually the dumbest people. They're actually the dumbest people in the sense of they don't have awareness usually. Everyone's different, but usually... Because they're based in knowledge. They're based in I mean, look at all this information that's like in their head. Like, like knowledge is different than wisdom. Knowledge is knowing who the top five uh, quarterbacks are in the NFL. That's knowledge. That's knowing the facts. Wisdom is knowing 
not to touch the fire with your hand. <laughs> <laughs> Because maybe you did it when you were a kid and you're like, ah, now I know not to do that. Wisdom is experiential. It's about experience and what you've been through. And so I think that kind of circles back around to what you were saying about the, you know, the PhD and the, being an expert. Wisdom is what bring, makes true experts. That's why there's gurus. You have somebody who's reached a high level of consciousness, mm -hmm. and then you got a bunch of people who want to learn under that guru. Yeah. But look at what is pushed by society. Mm -hmm. Wisdom is not pushed right. by Western society, or at least the society that we are currently in yeah. in the United States. Yeah. Knowledge production for the sake of knowledge production is theoretically also what, how you would create an expert. Even within academia, while I was in there, the research that was experiential was so much harder to get approval for, mm. so much harder to get published, so much harder to do, so much harder just to get people to sit at the table and acknowledge that this is something that should be respected. Right. And... The researchers who were doing some of the most profound work were still not embedded in the populations that right. they were doing the work on. There's always this layer of distance, right? which because of hard sciences is also considered better. Right. It is more respectable when your emotions are not involved when the reality is we actually need that connection right. to remain human. And a lot of inhumane things happen when we disconnect ourselves and other mm. other people and categorize as soon as you other as soon as you categorize you other which can then lead to oppression because there's always going to be a hierarchy because someone always wants to feel like they have more mm. wants to prove that they have more show that they have more to be more to do more versus what would happen if we actually lived our life via a wisdom framework yeah of experience your life, have compassion, have some patience, have some kindness, and let's see where we all meet up. Well, that 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 sort of correlates with um, these intentional communities that are popping up all over the country. Yes, you've mentioned that, and uh, and ashrams and monasteries, and right, you go there and you work your little job, mm -hmm. and you might be a housekeeper, mm -hmm. or you might work in the kitchen. And you contribute to your little community. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to worry about proving anything. You don't have to worry about, I'm a PhD. Can you imagine that? Actually, you can because you're about to live that life. Yes. And, and I, go, I go to an ashram frequently in New York. So I've definitely had oh. a taste. So, you know, there's no Dr. Reese there. There's no... You know, I'm just a dude. Hey, how you doing? What's your name? Oh, my name's Kevin. I'm from Connecticut. That's... That's it. That, you know, first name and what state you're from mm -hmm. is typically how the conversation goes. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there's no... And this is why a lot of people, too, in the, in the Eastern cultures, they change their name mm -hmm. or the guru changes the name for them. Mm -hmm. Ram Das is a perfect example. Perfect example. His name was Richard Alpert. You know, he mm -hmm. was a Harvard professor. Now he's known as Ram Das. He's been Ram Das for forty-five years, or more. So that's part of it. Yeah. So I think there was a lot of gems on this recording. Yes, I think so. This uh, is lovely. What did we learn today? We learned. What did we learn, kids? We learned <laughs> about burnout and being able to walk away from it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we learned about um, labels, mm -hmm. PhD, doctor, whatever. Uh, learned about ego ego a little something on ego a topic that i'd like to get into more on the on this podcast which is knowledge versus wisdom <laughs> how can people find you what if somebody wants to holler Ooh. at you and say hello all right if you want to say hello in person come visit me at the bridge healing arts center in farmington connecticut mm -hmm. uh, i will most likely be at the front desk and if i'm not there our lovely other wellness associate grace would be there 
Um, come use the sauna. Um, there are some really awesome packages that come with that. There can be, you can get a facial, a massage and a sauna session, or you can bring a friend and, or have a couple's massage and sauna session. Right. I just started my Instagram. Just, What's just, just, name? just, uh, my business is nourishing habits with Steph. Okay. And so my Instagram is nourishing habits with Steph. Okay. I have one post. Don't make fun of me. Be kind. Be kind. And if you're not, that's okay. We can learn some kindness and together. And you're, you're Steph with an F, right? I'm Steph with an F. No PH. No PH. No PhD, see? No ah, PH. Ah, there we go. Just an F. Just an F. Just an F. <laughs> F. <and> PH. <laughs> All right. Yes. Well, I appreciate the time. This was fun. Thank you so much for this. This was wonderful. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.